First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, do you turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 6. Uh, we're going to dive into our time in the Word of God a little earlier than normal on this special celebration day. And and don't celebrate too loudly when you hear this, but the message time is going to be a little shorter today as well, because uh, we are saying, oh, no, okay. Uh, but we are saving some time later in uh, the service for uh, some testimonies and also, of course, to share uh, the total of all that has been pledged during this Greater Things uh, initiative. And so it's just going to be a great, great day together. But first, let's read from the Word together, Nehemiah chapter 6, uh, verse 15. We read this. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul and 52 days. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things that they were very disheartened in their own eyes for they perceived that this work was done by our God. So the wall was completed and now turn with me if you would a few chapters over to the right uh, to Nehemiah chapter 12 and we're going to read how the people of God dedicated the wall to the Lord and celebrated all that God had done. Nehemiah 12 beginning in verse 27. Now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites and all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and singing, with cymbals and stringed instruments and harps. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netophathites, from the house of Gilgal, from the fields of Geba, and Asmabeth, for the singers had built themselves villages all around Jerusalem. Then the priests and Levites purified themselves and purified the people, the gates, and the wall. And so I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall and appointed two large thanksgiving choirs. One went to the right hand on the wall towards the refuse gate, and after them went Hoshiah and half the leaders of Judah, and Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, and some of the priests' sons with trumpets, Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, the son of Zechur, the son of Asaph, and his brethren, Shemaiah, Azarel, Milulai, Gilulai, Mei, and Nathaniel, Judah, Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra the scribe went before them. By the fountain gate in front of them, they went up the stairs of the city of David, on the stairway of the wall, beyond the house of David, as far as the water gate eastward. The other Thanksgiving choir went the opposite way, and I behind them with half of the people on the wall, going past the tower of the ovens as far as the broad wall, and above the gate of Ephraim, above the old gate, above the fish gate, the tower of Hananel, the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate, and they stopped by the gate of the prison." So the two thanksgiving choirs stood in the house of God, and likewise I and half the rulers with me, and the priests, Eliakim, Meusiah, uh, Minjamin, Micaiah, Eloni, Zechariah, and Hananiah with trumpets. Also Meusiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzi, Jehohanan, Malkijah, Elam, and Ezer. The singers sang loudly with Jerahiah, the director, and also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. 
The women and the children also rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. Father, we thank you that you have given us joy. Uh, Father, that you have done great things. And we pray, God, today you would fill our hearts with praise, with thanksgiving, with joy for all you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, it is important to know when it is time to celebrate. I mean, you have to take time to celebrate when something great happens. But, you know, there are some people who just seem like they have a hard time, you know, celebrating. And one of those people, and Alabama fans are not going to like me when I say this, but one of those people is Nick Saban, the head coach of the Crimson Tide. I mean, that guy just does not know how to celebrate. Uh, You might just take that with a grain of salt. This is probably just coming from the bitter heart of a Seminole fan whose team was crushed by 50 points yesterday on their home field. Uh, but, but again, Nick Saban just doesn't know how to celebrate. He wins the national championship for like the 20th time. And literally, it's like he walks off the field and, and goes back to recruiting and gets working on next year's game plan. He just doesn't take time to celebrate. And, you know, I could describe it further to you, but a picture is really worth a thousand words. This is Nick Saban right after his team won the last national championship right there. I mean, does he look happy to you? Does that look like a man who celebrates? Actually, I'm just kind of messing with Alabama fans. I don't really even know when that picture was taken. I think he actually did crack a smile last time he won the national championship. But he's not a big celebration guy. Uh, But it's important to celebrate. And that is especially true when the people of God have, have seen our God do something amazing together. When we've seen our God do greater things, we need to stop and celebrate and praise God together. And that's what the people of God did in Nehemiah's day. As we just read in Nehemiah chapter 6, the great work of rebuilding the wall around the city of Jerusalem was completed. And it was completed in in, in an astonishingly quick period of time, 52 days, uh, in such time that even the enemies, the nations around uh, Israel, around Jerusalem, uh, people like Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem that we studied weeks ago, when they saw what had happened, they knew. That only God could have done something like that. And so when we come to Nehemiah chapter 12, what we read about there is a celebration. The people of God dedicating this project, dedicating the wall and the city to the Lord. It's important to remember that before they dedicated the wall to the Lord, uh, they had already dedicated themselves to the Lord. And we talked about that last week when we looked at Nehemiah 8, 9, And 10, how the people dedicated themselves to the Lord. We see a hint of that even here in verse 30 of Nehemiah 12, when it says, The priests and the Levites purified themselves and purified the people, the gates, and the walls. The the people understood that God wants more than just our words, uh, that He wants more than even our songs of praise, that He wants our hearts that he wants us to lay ourselves down on the altar as a sacrifice, to dedicate our whole selves to the Lord. But since the people had done that, since they had dedicated themselves to the Lord, now they were ready to dedicate this wall to the Lord and to praise God for what he had done. And in Nehemiah 12, that's what they do. Now, Nehemiah explains what happened in this passage, how he gathered together all the singers from among the Levites, and they were living in villages, even in the surrounding communities around Jerusalem. He gathered them all together in Jerusalem, and he separated them into two large Thanksgiving choirs. 
And then he brought them up on top of the wall itself. That's the picture we need to have in our minds. It wasn't a choir in a choir loft on this particular day. It was a choir walking around the walls of the city of Jerusalem. The walls were nine feet thick. They were plenty wide enough uh, for a choir to proceed on top of them. And so imagine that in your mind. And what he says here is that these two choirs began at the same point. You remember from weeks ago, we showed this image of the gates around Jerusalem, and we talked about how each family worked on different sections of the wall, completing it and repairing it. Well, on this particular day, this celebration day, they met at the valley gate, most likely on the western side of the wall. It's the same place where Nehemiah, in chapter 2, began his nighttime ride uh, when he went on that reconnaissance mission and surveyed the damage around the wall. It was at that same point, at the valley gate, where these two choirs met. Uh, One of them was led by Ezra. And Ezra led his choir southward, down uh, counterclockwise, around the city, back up along the eastern side of the city, and all the way back around to the temple area. Whereas Nehemiah led the second choir, choir number two, in the opposite direction. They started at the valley gate. He went northward, up along the old gate, the fish gate, and the sheep gate, and into the temple area. And it was there at the temple that these two choirs came back together and began to praise and to sing loudly to the Lord. And even though it was a different day, and even though what they were celebrating was something different, there's a few elements of their celebration that needs to be a part of our celebration today. First of all, the people of God, as the people of God, we should celebrate what God has done with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Just like they did. We have so much to thank God for. Thanksgiving should always be the fuel in the fire of our praise of God. And you see references to thanksgiving all over this passage. You see it there in verse 27. It says, Now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and singing, with cymbals and stringed instruments and harps. And then if you look in verses 31 and 38 and 40, the, the, actually the name of the choirs uh, is one single word in Hebrew, a word that means thanksgivings. And that's how the choirs were referred to. Some translations will call them thanksgiving choirs. But literally the word there is just thanksgivings. As one commentator said, it's almost as if the choirs themselves were the embodiment of, of what they were trying to communicate to God, a thankful heart. And so you can almost say one Thanksgiving went one way around the wall, the other Thanksgiving went the other way around the wall, until both Thanksgivings, both choirs, met there in the temple of the Lord. This whole scene just oozes with the gratitude and the Thanksgiving that's coming out from the people's hearts. Because they knew, as we should know, that what had happened was only possible because of the Lord. A second element that you see in this celebration was praise. Essentially, this dedication was a worship service. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a worship service where you got up on top of a wall and walked around. Uh, This was certainly an out-of-the-box worship experience, uh, but it was still a worship service nonetheless. It was a time to praise God for all that God had done. And it was appropriate for the people of God to do that, to take time, to pause, and to celebrate the completion of this great 
project. Today we're pausing in the life of our church to celebrate what God has done in our hearts and the commitments that we have made before the Lord. Lord willing, we'll have another time to celebrate next year the groundbreaking of a new worship center. Uh, Lord willing, in 2021, we'll have an opportunity to celebrate again at the dedication of that building and to celebrate as, a, as our first church planning team is sent out on the mission field. But it's right that we do that, that we take time uh, to celebrate and to praise God uh, for the things that he has done. There are eight references in this passage to singing. Three references in this passage to all the different kinds of musical instruments that were used at this particular occasion. It wasn't just the professional singers, if you will, the Levite choir that praised the Lord. Verse 43 says that everybody joined in. The women and the children also were standing there in the courts of the city praising the Lord for the great things that he had done. And there's one more element to notice in this celebration, perhaps the most prominent one, and that is the element of joy. Now, there was great, great joy in this time of celebration. Seven references to joy in this passage, and the most prominent is there in verse 43. Listen to how many references there are to joy in this one verse alone. Verse 43, also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard from afar off. Wow, I'm pretty sure that they were joyful, aren't you? They were overjoyed at what the Lord had done. And we know where joy comes from. Joy comes from the Lord. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And so when the people of God today who are filled with the Spirit of God are in the presence of the Lord, and we see our God move in a mighty way, it produces within us a uncontainable joy, a joy that just has to be expressed, a joy that overflows our hearts, and we want to lift it up to God. As they walked around the city that day, you can imagine the joy they felt as they walked along that wall, and every square inch of that wall had been repaired by one of the sets of hands that was a part of that celebration day. They came into the temple area, and they realized for the first time in centuries that the city of God the place where the presence of God was most manifested was finally secure, again, for the first time in hundreds of years. And verse 43 says that it was such a great joy, that it was a joy that was heard even afar off, even from the surrounding nations. And I pray that that will be the case today. That even the neighborhoods around First Baptist Melbourne will say, what is going on at that Baptist church today? Why are those people so excited? Why are they filled with such joy? Because the Lord has done great things. Church, let me just very quickly share a few specific reasons why I believe we can celebrate today. First of all, we can celebrate, we should celebrate today because Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose again. Now, that's always the reason why uh, we should celebrate as believers. Because if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then your sins have been washed away forever. And because he rose from the dead, you will too one day. And so church, more than anything else, more than anything else we're going to share with you today, that is the reason why we can celebrate the Lord and we can celebrate him every day. But also we celebrate today because God is at work in our church and through our church changing people's lives. 
Over and over, we have tried to keep that in front of us as a church. The greater things isn't ultimately about buildings. It's ultimately about seeing lives transformed. And we're excited because we believe that even more lives can be and will be transformed in the years to come as a result of greater things. But we should be excited because God is already at work changing lives and and hearts. Even today in our services, uh, we've seen students and children who will be baptized in the three services today. People who are coming to know Christ. People whose lives and hearts uh, are being changed for all eternity. That's a reason to celebrate today. And then also we celebrate because the Lord is leading us forward in his mission. I am so thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ is the head of this church and he's the head of every church. And he is the one that we follow. And we believe very strongly that the Lord has shown us and spoken clearly to us about the next steps that we need to take as a church to be able to reach the lost here in Melbourne and to be able to reach the lost around the world. And because we know he is leading us and because we have the privilege of being able to join with him in his mission in the world, that is such a cause to be able to celebrate today. And then also number four, we celebrate today on this culminating Sunday of greater things because as you will hear in just a minute, by God's grace, we have given joyfully and sacrificially to the Lord. And so many in our church family have sacrificed. So many in our church family have given in ways that reflect your faith and your trust in the Lord. Your desire to be a part of something that will outlast you. Your desire to be a part of something that will have reverberations into eternity. And because we know that we can only give that way if the Lord works in our hearts. The Lord produces within us a joy and a willingness to sacrifice. The only way that we can give like that. And so that very fact, the very fact that God has worked in our hearts is a reason to celebrate and to praise his name today. And then while hundreds of other reasons could be given for why we should celebrate today, I'll just share one more. We celebrate today because we believe that God will do even greater things in the future. Our church is almost 100 years old, and God has already done so many great things in Melbourne through this church family, through those that were a part of this church family that are already with the Lord. God is doing great things even now, as we have said, but we believe and are excited that in the future, God will do even more, greater things, greater things to make disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. And church, at this time, Alan and Janice Lindsay, the co-chairs of Greater Things, are going to come and share with you what has been pledged. And if you're ready to hear that, would you welcome Alan and Janice as they come this morning? Thank you guys so much. Good morning. As Pastor uh, said, this day has been set aside for celebrating, and it's celebrating what God is doing through his people here at this church. Um, and it was great to see the baptism this morning. And as Pastor said, we have baptisms in every service. And, and that's what Greater Things is all about. Um, I did want to thank the people that uh, were all involved in getting us to this point. Um, and this goes back months. There were a lot of phone calls made, information packages put together and distributed, uh, food and the, the uh, vision desserts, um, and just all that supported um, this, these greater things. So I'd like Janice to uh, 
kind of break the news here on, on what God has done. Well, <laughs> well, thank you. Of course, he leaves it up to me to uh, spend the money. And <laughs> <laughs> so we are so excited today. But before we share the, the number, I did want to share with you some information that we had learned in the early part of this process on what a good campaign looks like and um, hopefully what you're able to raise as a congregation. And that number that was provided by both our builder and our consulting partner that we've used for the campaign said that if you could generate funds and commitment that equaled your annual operating budget, um, that would be a successful campaign. And if you exceeded that, that would be excellent. So as I reflected on our messages over the past several weeks on today's music and today's message by Pastor Scott, I realized that that's an interesting data point, but that doesn't really matter. What God provides is always good. So regardless, this number is awesome. So um, I will tell you also that our annual operating budget is $3.2 million. If you didn't know that, it's $3.2 million, and that's a lot of money. So without further ado, I'm thrilled to be able to provide to you the information and the dollar that God has provided for us today, and that number is four million. $305, excuse me, $354,905.82. Again, that number is $4,354,905.82. And what a joy and privilege it is that we, as God's children, have the opportunity to participate in what he has planned for these people, his people. And without further ado, I'll turn this over to Darren Wolf that will speak to you a little bit about what's next. It's just amazing to see uh, when the church comes together to get serious about God's mission to make disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. But thank you, Alan and Janice, just so much for your leadership of guiding us through greater things. You guys have been absolutely wonderful leaders through this. Well, good morning, church family. Today is an exciting day. And um, if you're like me, you're starting to wonder, this has been great. And what's next? Well, I want to share that with you. I want to uh, take a moment to speak to that in two separate ways. First, I want to talk about individually, how are we going to go about completing our greater things commitment? Second, collectively, what is next for our church family? So <clears throat> with that in mind, seeing that number is just amazing. As we work together to fulfill this commitment, we want to make sure that it's logistically as easy as possible to fulfill our commitments. So towards that end, uh, we're gonna do, we have many different ways that we could give. So first, you're going to find these envelopes sprinkled throughout our worship center. You're going to see that they are cleverly titled Greater Things. So if you, any uh, offering that goes into this envelope will go towards fulfilling our pledges. Secondly, you're going to see our normal giving envelopes have a clever new line on them called Greater Things. So if you want to break out any of your normal offerings to Greater Things, just put it on that line and put it in. Finally, you're going to see we could also give online. And we have a screenshot of what our online giving portal looks like. If you go to fbcmail.info forward slash giving, it'll take you to this screen. 
You're going to notice at the very top of the screen, we've added a link to an online giving tutorial. So if you have any questions on how it works, you just click on that, and it'll actually walk you through the steps. We'll even show you how to set up a recurring gift to make it easy for us to fulfill our commitments. So if this is going to help we fulfill our individual commitments, let's take a second to talk through what is next for the church as a whole. So if you remember, we're going to be taking 10% of our greater than commitments and using it for church planting. With a current commitment of just under $4.4 million, this means once we fulfill all of our commitments, we're going to have $435,000 just for church planting alone. That alone is a huge victory. That's just amazing. Now, let's turn our attention to the facility expansion part. Before our initial offerings two weeks ago, we had $1.3 million in our building fund. Now, if we fulfill all of our commitments, we're going to be able to add 90% of the total Greater Things commitments to that, or another $3.9 million to our current $1.3 million in our building fund. Finally, in this year's uh, operating budget, our finance committee has wisely started putting away $10,000 each month towards the new building. In next year's 2019 budget, they're going to be recommending that we put $20,000 away each month towards the building, $30,000 in the following year, and $40,000 in the year after that. All told, this means over the next three years, we'll be able to add another million dollars to our building fund. So if you take all those pieces and add it together, that means we have $6.2 million of our own funds that will be available for our building expansion. Now, what's going to come next is the building committee is going to finalize design and come back to the church with a recommendation. This recommendation will include the final design and also the funding plan to cover the total cost of the facility expansion. We expect this presentation to take place in early 2019, so a couple months from now. So if I could ask, just please continue to be in prayer for our building committee. Now this process will allow for plenty of questions to be asked and will result in a church vote. That is before, uh, the church is actually gonna vote on the design and the funding plan before any construction actually begins. So let me pause, kind of take it from the top and give you all the information. So giving, we have multiple ways for us to give. We have the specialized envelopes, a new line on our normal giving envelope, and online giving. The church planning pipeline is now fully funded and ready to go. We have a great head start on the total cost of the facility expansion. Expect to have over $6 million of our own funds ready to get it started. And finally, the church will get a chance to vote on the final design and the funding for the project before any construction begins. So church family, we have a lot to celebrate this morning. I'm excited to see what God has already done, but even more excited to see what greater things he's going to do in the future. Thank you.